Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. As a love that lasts. Uh, it's a really important question. The divorce rate is anywhere near 35 to 50%. Uh, it's a big deal. Maybe you grew up in a home where your parents were divorced, or you have been through multiple divorces, or a bad breakup, or hurt. It's a question that's worth asking. And we believe that we answered that question in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which is the foundation verse for our whole entire sermon series. This is what Paul says in this book. Three things, somebody say these two words with me, will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is? Yes, love can last. Yes, love can last. And if you leave here with anything that I say every week, it's this. Yes, love can last. Why, JJ? Why would that be the most important thing? Because the level of your experience will never rise higher than the level of your expectation. And so if you expect love to not last, then when your relationship hits a rocky point, you're not going to fight for it because when it fades, you're going to go, oh, we don't have problems. That's natural. That's what love does. Love fades, and you'll move on to the next one. No, the Bible says in a world where nothing lasts forever, three things do, faith, hope, and love. And the reason why love doesn't last isn't because there's something wrong with love. It's because we're putting love in the wrong place. The Bible says faith, hope, and love. It gives us order. When love burns out, it's because we take love. We think love is the puzzle. And we spend our whole lives trying to figure this out. Love is not the puzzle. Love is a piece of the puzzle called life. But you can't make your whole life revolve around love. And we do that when we take love from last place and we put it into first place. Love is not built to bear the pressure of your dreams and expectations and past and burdens. And I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where there has been a lot of pressure on you to be something or to do something for that other person. You are putting someone else in a place that only God can fill. In a puzzle, you got to start with the corners. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the Bible says. And so this whole series is about putting love last, making sure that we have the spiritual and emotional health to be in a healthy relationship. If you got that, say amen. Amen. That's good. Now, that's what we did in week one. That sermon was called Last But Not Least. Next week, I'm excited because next week on week three, we're going to be talking about sex in a sermon called At Last. At Last. And let me just say, it's going to be good. And let me also say, this is the Sunday you check your kids in to journey kids. Now, if you got teenagers, you want them to be here because they need to hear about sex from a biblical perspective and not from homeboy's perspective next door, okay? They need to hear about it from God and what he says. So it's going to be blessed. It's going to be fun. You want to be here, check your kids in. All right, on week four, week four, this sermon is called Built to Last, and I'm going to be joined by my wife on stage, and we're going to do a, a, a double kind of combination preaching, tag team, preaching, talking, just conversating. We're going to let you in on some of the things that we've done that have been good and have worked, some of the things that didn't work. Today, we're going to preach a message called the first, the last shall be first. Last shall be first. 
Now, I need to begin this message with a disclaimer, big disclaimer. And uh, here is the disclaimer. <laughs> this message will be the least enjoyable message of the sermon series. Um, where's my safety team at? Safety team, security team. Security team is going to be waiting for me in the lobby because there will be people trying to jump me after this message. And the reason why it is the least enjoyable is because it is the least agreeable. I'm going to be saying things that go contrary to popular culture and what you've been taught and what you saw growing up. And so two things are going to protect me. One, the safety team. And then two, I'm going to just use a lot of Bible verses so you can't get mad at me. Get mad at God. Amen. It's going to be, it's not going to be for usually. There's a lot of hype and excitement and people on their feet, a lot of laughing. Not today. But if you're a first-time guest, come back next week. We're talking about sex. It's going to be great. All right? All right. Now let me finish my sentence. It's going to be the least enjoyable because it's the least agreeable, but it's going to be the most helpful. I'm not just saying, I won't say that again next week. You know, that's preacher. If anything, it would change your life. It's this message, right? No. This message, if you came today, you came at the sermon that is going to be the most helpful to wherever you are in your relationship status today. I'm absolutely convinced. All right. So today's message requires two ground rules. You know it's serious when we lay ground rules for, for, for getting into this. Ground rule number one, you need to listen for yourself, not for the person you came to church with today. If I say something you like, say amen, but don't look at them and say amen. <laughs> don't do it. If I say some good, be like, amen, don't do that. <laughs> this message is not for your spouse. It's not for your boyfriend. It's not for your girlfriend. It's for you. Somebody say, it's for me. It's now that we've established that. So please don't, because you, 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 can, you can weaponize this word. Do not. Let it pierce your heart not the heart of the person you came to church with today. Number two, I need you to listen to this message like you are a new creation in Christ Jesus because you are. There are a lot of people in church today who are survivors of divorce. And I'm gonna say some things that are gonna challenge the notion and, and just challenge some of the things you might have done. And if you're not careful, the enemy will use today's message to bring conviction where I'm trying to bring encouragement. Here's the encouragement. The past is the past, but from this day forward, this is how I'm going to live it out. This is how I'm going to pursue relationships. These are the choices and the differences that I'm going, to, I'm going to make from this day forward. So rule number one, listen for yourself. Rule number two, uh, listen like if you were a new creation in Christ Jesus. If the past is gone and there's a new person there. If you, if you agree to that, say amen. amen. All right. Lord, help me, Jesus. Pray for me. Amen. All right. Um, we're going to, this title comes from the book of Matthew chapter 20. There are four stories in the book of Matthew chapter 20, but all four stories are tied together with one verse. It's one theme that goes between all four of them. And Jesus summarizes this in chapter 20, verse 16. He hits it hard. He hits it clear. He says this, so the last will be first and the first will be last. 
If I can explain to you what this means uh, in a story, um, it would, I had the best example just this past Friday. On Fridays, we do family days with, with my family, and we love it. We put the phones to the side, and, and everything we do, we try to do together as a family, honestly. We went looking at some property the other day and uh, trying to find a permanent location for Journey Church, and, but the only way we could go was on a Friday, and so I asked Liz if it was all right. We took the whole family because <laughs> it's family day. The kids are like, I want to play video games. We're like, we're going to find our church for Journey Church. It'll be fun. They're like, no. I'm like, it'll be fun. Anyway, so we go, and then we get home, and uh, when we get home, we didn't find anything. And then we get home, and in case you're wondering, and then we get home, and uh, it's, it's uh, dinner time, and uh, on family day, Liz usually gets off. And so, like, she doesn't have to cook. I say off because she typically takes care. By typically, I mean all the time. She takes care of really the food and things like that in the house. And, and uh, but on family day, she's off too. And so uh, family day was, was pizza day for dinner. Come on, somebody. I love pizza. Amen. My favorite is Little Caesars. Not because it tastes good. doesn't taste good, but it's $5. Come on, somebody. And so for $5, I eat cardboard with sauce and whatever. For $5, I eat whatever. Um, anyway, so we go, and so she goes, I'll go get it. She was kind enough to say, I'm going to go get it. And so at which point, I, she said, who wants to go with mom? And the boys were playing video games with me at the time, and nobody said anything. And so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm defending my wife, and I'm like, who wants to go with mom? You know, you know like somebody go with mom. And, and they're like, no, I don't want to go. And so I'm like, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a little game. I'm going to guess a number from 1, one to 10 in my mind. You guys are going to guess. And whoever guesses the right number gets to go with mom. Because I wanted going with mom to be the prize for the winner, not the consequence for the loser. That's wisdom right there. And so, uh, so I said that. So, but, so, so then they start playing this game. And I go, all right, 1 to 10. All right. And so Zane goes first. He says 1. Or Justice goes first. He says 1. Zane goes next. He goes 10. Zane goes third. He says 5. Then justice, seven. And then Zay says, three. And I go, bing, 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 ding. You win, buddy. It's three. You got it. And he looks at his brother and he goes, in your face. Three, sucker. And I'm like, awesome. Now get dressed and go with mom. To which he was confused. He was like, but wait, I thought I won. I'm like, don't I get to stay because I won? I go, no, you won, so you get to go with mom. And here's Zane's problem. He was so focused on winning that he failed to realize that in this situation, winning was losing. And sometimes in a relationship, we can do things that feel like winning but are actually losing. Hey, you can win the argument and end up sleeping on the couch. Come on, somebody. <laughs> on the couch just trying to figure it out like it's algebra. You're like, but I said the thing at the thing and I got her with the... Why am I here right now? I don't understand. I, I thought I won. It felt like winning. Nope, you lost. You can, in a, in a relationship, you can do a real good job of teaching that person a lesson. Oh, we all want to do that in a relationship. I'm going to teach them. Because that's, that's my calling, to be a teacher. So they think this trash just magically vanishes. Oh, we'll see. I'm going to pile it up for a whole month. House smells like garbage. Your kids are getting sick. Hey, you're in the shower talking about, hey, <laughs> I'm winning. No, bro, back up. You're losing. Hey, you can teach the lesson and still fail the class. And so let me ask you, what do you want? Because if you want to feel like a winner, you can feel like a winner and lose. But sometimes feeling like you're losing is what actually is winning. So let me ask you, what, what do you want? Do you want to feel like a winner 
or do you actually want to win? And we need to, we need to start there. And that's actually where Jesus starts with this woman. Um, he asks her a great question. We can go uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Four verses after, first shall be last and last shall be first. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked the favor for him. What is it you want? Listen, if you're trying to get your relationship right, here's the first question you got to ask. What do you want? What is it that you really want? And can we be honest? Single people, what do you want? Do you want someone to wake up with or are you just looking for someone to sleep with? What do you want? Married people, do you want a, a passion-filled marriage or do you want a, a, a problem-free marriage? Because if you want passion, you know you're going to have to go headlong into the problems because it's oftentimes going through the problem that produces the passion because you made it and you survived it. Which one do you want? You got to ask yourself that. Do you even want to be in a relationship? You got to start there. Because if you're single and you think getting in a relationship is going to make you happy, it won't. If you're married and you think getting out is going to make you happy, it won't. It won't. What do you want? And here's the problem with relationships. Oftentimes, we can't even answer that question. We don't even know what we want. You want a divorce? No, I just want to. Like, what if they die of natural causes? Like, I'm saying, I'm... Technically, it's not a divorce. I can get married again. God be cool with that. Like, what? What? (laughs) Some of you like that's dark. Look in the mind of a married person. It's dark sometimes. It's dark. What do you want? And here's what I have figured out in conversations with friends and family and couples. Nobody knows what they want, but here's what we all want: to be happy. We just want to be happy. And if a relationship can help me do that, great. If it can't, then no. But I just want to be happy. And this is what the woman tells Jesus. This is what the woman tells Jesus in verse 21. She says, grant that one of these two sons of mine might sit at your right and at your left in the kingdom. Now forget about what she's asking for. Look past it. She's saying, this will make me happy. So what Jesus' reply is this. Next verse. You don't know what you are asking. You think you want this? Next verse. But can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Now, the cup is a metaphor for the cross. In other words, he's saying, you know what you want. What you don't know is how much it will cost that thing that you want. What you want has a cost. You want to find a great person? Awesome. That comes at a cost. You want a happy marriage? Awesome. But happiness comes at a cost. Do not be fooled by the hashtag relationship goals on your Instagram. And you see all those people with the smiling faces. You don't know their story. There was a cost behind that smile. Don't be fooled when Liz comes behind me and she puts her hands on me and starts praying for me. And I see people post it all the time. And I'm going to be honest, it makes me a little prideful in a good way that that's the thing you would brag about Journey Church. When she comes and she lands and she prays for me and she anoints me and comes up here. But, but don't, don't, before you say relationship, hashtag relationship goals, <laughs> let me just tell you, you don't know the cost behind that prayer. You don't know our story. Some of the stuff we'll share in week four, the stuff that we went through, some of the stuff is so fresh, you won't hear about it until Love, Sex, and Marriage series 2030, okay? You're just not going to hear about it because we're going through it right now. Oh, yeah, I'm preaching, and I'm strong, and she's down there, and she's praying, but there's a cost behind the smile, and there's a cost behind the pulpit, and there's a cost behind the iPad, and there's a cost behind the worship. There's a cost, and you don't know it. It's a cost, so are you willing to pay the cost? And and to that, somebody is there. Pastor, thank you so much for laying that out. Because no. I knew it would be hard. And you just confirmed. I think I heard from the Lord. I'm out. 
it's not you, it's the work. I don't want to do it. And I'm, and I'm out and I'm done. And I'm like, but before you do that, before you leave, thinking that you're avoiding the cost by leaving, let me tell you a quick story. This, this uh, last week, um, my microwave broke. And it, it wasn't working. The number five and the, and the number start. It's amazing how many things you cook with the number five. A lot of them. And, and, so, and also, you can't start it without start. And so it didn't work. And so, so Liz was gone. And I was like, I'm going to show her. Her man is handy. So I grabbed a screwdriver. And I went to town on my microwave. I, I, there was a panel. I put the screwdriver behind the panel. I pulled out the panel. All the, by the time I was done, it wasn't just broken on the inside. It was broken on the outside. <laughs> she came home. She looked at the microwave. She said, what did you do? I said, before you get mad, look at my heart. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't you know, give up. I didn't call nobody. I just, I went at it. Your man is a man. He's a man. <laughs> I fix things. Ah, yeah. And then, and then she was like, she was like, and then it turns out that night we had a blackout and then the microwave shut off and then the power went back on and the microwave started working. So turns out it wasn't broken. It just needed to, just needed to be plugged on and off again. <laughs> and so, but by this point, it is broken on the outside because of what I did. And she said, you need to, uh, re re repair this. So I looked up. It was $300 to repair it. I'm like, babe, I'm not going to repair it. I'm going to buy a new one because a new one costs just as much or less than the cost that it would be to repair it. So I'm not going to repair it. I'm going to replace because replacing is cheaper than repairing. Same week. Devil's out for my family on Love, Sex, and Marriage series. <laughs> Same week. You know the devil's real, by the way, when all the sensors in your car start going on. You know those lights on the front? You don't know what they are, but it's like air pressure sensor off, transmission light on, heater broken, and all of them on the thing. I was like, Santo Rabo. I was just praying. I was like, no, -uh. devil's a liar. What is happening right here? All the lights went off at one time, you know? And it was like, my name is Legion. You know, all of them. That's a Bible joke. It's a Bible joke. You got to know the Bible for that joke. Um, and, I, and I was like, man, this is crazy. And so, and so we took it into the dealer, and the dealer said, oh, yeah, to fix all these sensors, $2,000. I told Liz, I said, pay it. <laughs> she said, how come you wasn't willing to pay the $300 for the microwave? Why are you going to pay $2,000 for the car? I said, the microwave and the car are two different things. The microwave was cheaper to replace than it was to repair it, but to get a new car is going to cost seven, eight, nine thousand dollars In the car, it's actually less costly to repair it than to replace it when it comes to marriage. It costs less to repair than it does to replace. And you think you're avoiding the cost by avoiding the hard work to fix it, but you're not. You're just postponing it, and you're going to get it back with interest later. And it's not just going to be you who pays it. It's going to be you and the next version of your last wife that pays for it. Safety team, beaming me in the back, all right? And I'm back here. I know, I know some of us have already made decisions, and again, you got to listen to this with, with, with a newness, but I want you to know that when it comes to relationship, marriage in particular, it costs less to repair than it does to replace. You're not avoiding the cost by avoiding the work. And if you're here thinking, oh, well, you know, my marriage is good, I really don't need this because I, I don't even need repairs or replacements, awesome, then keep doing what you're doing because the only thing that costs less than repairs is maintenance. 
So do the work. If you're a husband, tell your wife she's beautiful. If you're a wife, before your husband leaves the house, spank him on the butt just a little bit. He's going to like it. <laughs> He's going to like it. But not too hard because then he might fight you. Because what happened? <laughs> what I do? You know, and so. And here's the cost. Are you ready for the cost? Say, tell me the cost. Okay, we'll try that again. Say, tell me the cost. All right, here's the cost. Here is the secret sauce to marriage and relationships outside of Jesus Christ. This is it. You got to give what you want, not what you get. If I could give you one thing that will restore any relationship, no matter how broken or on its way to brokenness, you got to give what you want, not what you get, which is hard because as people, we instinctively give what we get, not what we want. The other day, Justice punched Zane. And he does this a lot. We even, we created, don't judge me, your kids do too. We got a jar. We got a jar that he has to put a dollar in every time he hits his brother. And we had to quit on the system because he was already $46 in debt. And it was like one week on this system. I'm like, homeboy's not going to have money for college. If we keep this up, he's going to be paying back his debt here. So we stopped the system. But every time I would ask him, I would say, why did you hit your brother? Which is the worst question any parent can Never ask your kid why. They don't know. And you know what the truth is as parents? We don't care. It was rhetorical. <laughs> why did you do that? Well, shut up. I don't care why you did it. It was bad. And so I asked him, I said, why did you hit your brother? Why did you punch him? But you know what he told me this time? He said, I had to. I said, why did you have to? He said, because the Bible told me so. <laughs> I said, what are they teaching you in Journey Kids? What are they teaching you in Journey Kids? I said, listen, bro, your dad ain't no Confucianist, Buddhist, uh, atheist. I know the Bible. I'm a pastor. There is no verse in the Bible that says that. They said, yes, it is. I said, what verse? He said, I'll tell you. He said, the Bible says, do unto others what they do to you. <laughs> this, was, this was a couple of days ago. Do unto others what they do to you. I said, it don't say that. He said, yes, it does. And I said, no, it doesn't. What you're thinking about is Matthew 7, 12, and it's the golden rule, and it says, do to others what you want them to do to you. And that's a whole different sentence. <laughs> but a lot of us read that, but hear the other thing. And so if you get loud with me, I'm going to get loud with you. If you disrespect me, I'm going to disrespect you. If you fight with me, I'm going to fight you. If, you. if you use words and names to me, I'm going to use words and names with you. If you withhold intimacy from me, I'll withhold romance from you. Whatever you do, I'm going to do it back. That's not the golden rule, y'all. Marriage psychologists actually have a word for that. It's not the golden rule. It's called the crazy cycle. You laugh. It's real. It's a book on it. Read it. The crazy cycle, and this is the trap we get into, the crazy cycle. Because you did it, I'm going to do it. Because you did it, I'm going to do it. And because what they're doing continues to initiate our movement, we never break out. Yeah. We just keep feeding into each other's hurt and rage and malice and bitterness and, 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 and pain. And we just keep feeding and we get stuck. And the only way to break the cycle is for somebody to come out. And say, so you know what? I'm going to be the first one to do what, 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 what needs to be done. And I'm going to be the last one to get what I need. Because love comes last. In order to step out of that cycle, you have to choose to go first, which is choosing to be last. 
There are three things, three areas that I think God is asking us to be last in. You won't say amen at one of them, but that's okay because this is going to help you. First one, this is in the scripture right here, Matthew 20, same passage. Jesus called them together and said, you know, the rulers and the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. By the way, marriage in a sentence, you're coming to, be ser- to, to, to serve and not be served. Here's the, here's the first thing you got to be last. If you want a healthy relationship, single people need to hear this, married people need to hear this. It's going to be tough to do, but you have to be willing to be the last to be served. It's amazing that when Jesus told the disciples that he would show them the full extent of of his love near the end of his life, he didn't go die on the cross. When he said, I'm going to show you how much I love you, this is in the Bible, and he gets on his knees, he takes off his jacket, he gets some water, and he starts washing the feet of the disciples. I always thought the cross was the fullness of God's love, but according to Christ, washing the feet was the fullness of God's love because serving is loving. Because when you're serving, you're not serving to get anything back. You're just serving. And by the way, you're not serving because of who they are. You know that one of the people that Jesus washed feet, it was Judas, i.e. the person who betrayed Jesus to, the, to, to die, and Jesus knew that he betrayed him. In fact, he just had dinner with him and said that you were going to betray me, and he washed, because this is what I'm telling you when I tell you serve, your, serve that person, serve that partner, you think, well, they don't deserve it. Neither did Judas, but Jesus did it anyway because you don't serve because of who they are. You serve because of who you are. You don't serve because they love you. You serve because you love them. That's what love is. It's serving in, in spite of what you can give me or do me. And we don't just serve from love. We also serve for love. In other words, if you want to fall back in love with the person you fell in love with that one day, you know what the best way to do that is? Serve them. I, this is what I hear from a lot of people my relationship has lost its fire. There's no more passion. There used to be days where we would stay on the phone with each other and talk late nights. Remember those days, the fun days, man. You know, I remember, I remember waking up, talking to Liz on the phone so late that, uh, that the, the, the operator would wake me up. And be like, Please hang up. The receiver is off the hook. Just, you know, and you got all that, where did that feeling go? Well, first off, love's not a feeling. So it's normal that it's gone. Secondly, what will you do when it's gone? I tell the story every year. It was eight years into marriage, and my wife and I were on a trip to New York City. We were there for a Christian conference, getting ready to launch Journey Church. And uh, my wife, she loves taking photos. It's her thing. And um, it's not about Instagram or anything like that. She's just always like, I want to capture the moment. And I'm like, but by capturing it, we're missing it. That's my argument, and that's her argument. Real talk, we have gotten in more fights over pictures <laughs> than any other topic ever. And I remember, thank you, and, but bro, let me preach it. If not, you're going to be in trouble when you get home. Let me preach it. <laughs> don't say amen. Don't say Just stay quiet. I got you. I'm going to do your job. Um, and so, I love you. And so, so, so this is thing I don't even remember anymore. I don't know if it was batteries. Was it batteries? You need the camera that needed bat. I can't remember anymore because God's healed my heart. But um, he, she, wanted, she wanted me to charge. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I don't know, maybe. I wanted to leave right away. And she was like, we got to charge the battery for the camera. And I'm like, but we got to go. So we got into this big fight over a battery. And how many people know it wasn't about the battery? 
all I remember is in that moment, for the first time in my life, I could picture my life without Liz. I wasn't saying divorce. I was just like, if this doesn't work out, I'm good. And not, not like the good good, like, because I got Jesus and I'm good. No. Like the bad good. Like, you do you, I do me. Bad good. And so, and so yeah, selfish good. And so, and so we, we get home from this conference and pretending like everything's all right, but it's not, and I'm terrified because I can already see our relationship and my love for her. It was the in love feeling. It wasn't there anymore. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't have health insurance, so I couldn't go to counseling. I didn't know what marriage book to read. I thought I had read them all in college. And so I, I don't know what to do. I did the only thing I knew how to do, server. I started doing all the chores in the house, the ones that were mine and the ones that were hers and the ones that were the kids. I just, I got to get this loving feeling back. Why was I serving? Because when you invest in something, the thing you invest in becomes more valuable over time. And the more you invest, the more valuable it becomes. My first car, when I tried to turn my first car in to exchange it for another car, the dealership said, we can't take it. It's so jacked up. You know how it got so jacked up? Because when I first got it, there was a dink on it, and then the dink made me not care, and then I got another dink, and another dink, and another dink, and I didn't care, and then the inside was dirty because I didn't care. By the time it came to exchange it, it had lost all its value. But imagine if at the first dink, I took care of it. I did the pop out the, I don't know what dink is, but you know what I'm talking about, dent. You pop out the dent, and if, if I had taken care of it and invested in it, 10 years later, it would have been valuable. We, we start giving up too early, so I said, I'm going to start serving. So I did all the chores in the house, man, just started doing all of it, and then my love started to come back. I started to see her for the person that I, that I knew she was, the person I fell in love with. And one day we're in the shower and I'm just minding my business. We're still not talking. And then she goes, she looks at me and she goes, hey, I've been noticing all the stuff around the house you're doing. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just says it straight up. She goes, I want you to know I'm sorry about New York. That was a month later. I'm sorry about New York and what you've been doing around the house makes me feel so loved. I was like, oh my God, you have no idea. <laughs> We just, uh, we came in the, and, then, and then she was like, and so I told her what I was doing. She was like, that's why you've been doing all those chores? I said, yeah. She said, you going to keep doing it? I said, no. <laughs> I said, this was a break glass in case of emergency situation. The glass is broken. We don't repeat this. We, we just got to do it. You got to be willing to serve. This is marriage in summary. Listen, if you want to get that loving back, you got to start moving. Motion creates emotion. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. If you want to feel the love again, you got to do loving type things. You got to serve. You got to bless that person. And then as you move, the feeling will come back. But you got to move. I wrote it this way. It could be funny. It could be inappropriate, but we'll go with it anyway. I wrote it like this in my notes. I said, don't expect motion in the bedroom if there ain't motion in the vacuum. <laughs> you... You, and it's, it's not that I'm doing this to get that. It's that in order to experience love, I got to first be love. Give not what I'm getting. Give what I want. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You're not going to like this one, but this is good. You need this. If you want to have a healthy relationship, you have to be willing to be the last to receive the apology. Security. <laughs> Got to be last, which means you have to be the first one to say sorry. The other day, um, we have this issue with towels at my house. Uh, most of the time, Liz is on point, but 
lately, some of the towels, this is all right to share. Some of the, some of the towels have just been dirty. And, and it's not that we have chauvinistic roles, like this is what she said she would do, this is what I said I would do. So, so they, I love you. And so the towels, and so, and I've been telling her in a very respectful way, I'm like, hey, I've been noticing that the towels, if you notice in my mind, I'm like, what's going to get me in trouble when I get home? I've been noticing that the towels haven't been, been clean and I'm trying to take showers and stuff. And so just an idea. Um, I get the whole washing towels thing. I said, what if we bought more towels? That way we can have backup towels when the first towels are indisposed. <laughs> so when I try and walk the line in marriage, I start saying words like, yeah, I never even heard before. And it's like, I'll say this proper. And so she was like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. So then Thursday, I was running late for some meetings. I come home from the gym. I'm rushing into the shower. No, no towels. I'm already late for this meeting. So I come, I come outside, balcony, second floor. I look down the list. She's doing her workout. And I'm like, hey. Um, and you got to understand, I didn't say I have a way about me. She knows that. God bless her. I have a way of being like proper but like rude at the same time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like it's not what you said that was wrong. It was your spirit. It was ugly. When you, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody married to somebody like that? What did I say? It wasn't what you said. It was how you said it and you know it. So I came to her all proper, but definitely with a stank attitude. And I'm like, so hey, since I noticed that there's no towels in the shower, no towels. And so I gave her the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, Do, uh, the back of the towels, where the, they're here. I just missed them. Can you point me in the direction of, to the backup towels? She, she said, she from her workout, she looked up and she said, we don't have backup towels. I said, okay, and, then, and this was wrong, but it was how I came. I said, well, maybe next time we could buy some towels. And I went down the stairs, put on my shorts, went down the stairs, grabbed two hand towels that we keep in the sink for our guests. Two little five by five inch squares. Took a shower and dried myself with two hand towels. And while I'm drying myself, I'm like, but at the same time, I know I'm wrong. But at the same time, I ain't about to apologize because she knows she wrong. Somebody preach with me. Come on, you know where I'm at. And I'm like, I'm not saying nothing. She knew about the towels. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit convict her on them towels. And so I come out the, out the door and I come downstairs and she, she looks up to me. And before I could even say a word, she looks up to me from her workout. She goes, hey, I just want you to know, I'm sorry about the towels. To which my response is, no, I'm sorry. I should have never yelled at you. I have a bad attitude and I'm going to work on that. I love you. <laughs> I was stubborn. I didn't want to say sorry until she says, thank God somebody in my marriage was willing to go first. Thank God somebody in my marriage was willing to love last. I'm going to go last. I'm going to forgive first, and I'll get my apology later. And even if I don't, that's okay. I'm not forgiving you because of who you are. I'm forgiving you because of who I am, because I love you. That's why I'm going to forgive. This is how the Bible teaches us to forgive, by the way. Look what it says, verse 32. Verse 32 highlighted. Look how it says. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ 
has forgiven you. Some will say, well, God forgives me when I ask him for forgiveness. That's not what the Bible's saying. He's saying you got to forgive like God forgave you through Christ. Do you remember how God forgave you through Christ? By Christ dying on the cross. And guess what? He didn't have to die because in a world full of sinful people, he was the only person who was perfect. He was the only person who was righteous. Are you catching this? The right person had to die in order to make way for forgiveness. You could be the right person with the right side of the argument. Here's what God's asking of you. If you want to restore the relationship, even if you're right, be willing to die because that's what Jesus did. I knew I wasn't going to get an amen. And here's why you're thinking, well, I'm not going to apologize for something I didn't do wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. Okay. Okay. First off, yes, you did. You weren't there. It don't matter. You're human. There's no way that you were the perfect one and your spouse is the one with all the issues. There's no way. Let me do it for you. Let me do it for you. <laughs> hey, you can't. You know you got it. So be willing to die. The right person, and guess what? What made you want to ask God for forgiveness? When you saw him on the cross. His sacrifice warmed your heart to the point where you said, here, I want to forgive me. That's what one person has to do, die, and then the other person will see knowing that they were right and still say, man, because of that sacrifice for me, I'm willing. I, uh, forgive me. I'm sorry. And, and man looks at heaven and says those two words. And at the end of this service, you're going to have the opportunity to say it. God, I'm sorry. And in two words, the relationship between the Father and humanity is restored. And let me tell you, those two words, if they're powerful enough to restore the relationship between you and God, they're powerful enough to restore the relationship between your husband and your wife. Here's your homework. Here's what somebody needs to do. When you get in the car and you drive home, somebody needs to be the first to say those words. I'm sorry. And when you say those words, if, if they could restore, if it's good enough for God and it can restore God, it can restore you. But you got to be willing to be last, the last one to get the apology. Here's my last one. And it's about to, if you thought that wasn't bad, this is where it's about to get real controversial. Right here in this passage, right here, it's about to get real. Just remember, this is the Bible. This is God's holy word. This is not me. This is, all right? All right. Say amen. amen. Say, I'm going to love you, JJ. No <laughs> matter what you say, <laughs> if it's Bible. Which it is, which it is. Because I just know, because we don't live in this, because this is not what you're taught anymore. <sighs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. <sighs> All right, so check it out. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Speaking of going last. <sighs> wives. This is the curse word right here. <laughs> Submit to your own husbands as to, oof, don't do it to me, Jesus. As to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. You should be under the of the husband's name. All right, check it. 
I'm not even going to talk about the submission thing because I think we get it. If not, it's right there. <laughs> Every team needs a leader. Every football team, all the players are equal, but one of them has a C on their chest. Stands for captain. So, so Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. But I want to highlight this. Your own husbands. As if Paul is saying, your own, like, but you picked them. So, so, so Paul's not saying, wives, submit to your husbands. He's saying, you get to pick who you submit to. Because they're your own. You picked them. This is why dating is so important and why you don't want to rush in a marriage. Because you're not looking, single people, you're not looking to marry somebody who makes you feel good because the feelings will fade. You're not looking to marry somebody who's got a lot of money. You're looking to marry somebody you can trust to be a leader. And if you can't trust, and you need to have enough time with them in the dating season where you can answer that question so that when they make decisions that don't agree with you, you go, but I trust you. But I trust you. It never, I never understand. I never get it when I sit in marital counseling with people and they're like, well, you know, you just don't know my husband. He's this and he's that and he's this and he's that and he's this and he's that. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Here's my, my follow-up question is, did you know that when you got married? And the answer has always been yes. So when my follow-up question is, so what are we talking about here? Because you picked them. So, so you, all right, husbands, let's go on to the next one. <laughs> The wives are like, I know that this verse keeps going. <laughs> so we're going to keep it going right now. It's just the Bible. This is the Bible. Just preach the Bible. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And somebody's like, I can do that. Keep reading, bro. Christ died for the church. Christ died for the church. And so in other words, listen, that means wives got to submit to what your husband decides. But husbands, hear me, every decision you make has to be in her best interest. Every decision you make has to make her better, has to make her happier, has to make her smarter, has to make her wiser, has to protect her, has to keep her safe, has to provide for her, has to love her. Every decision you make, you don't get to make decisions that benefit you anymore. You gotta make decisions that benefit her. The only thing. You got, and so husbands, I said to the wives, I said, wives, make sure you pick a husband that, you're, that you can trust to lead. Here's what I would tell the husbands. Make sure you pick a wife that you're willing to die for. Because that's what it takes. You got to be willing to die. I have these daily affirmations that I, I say every morning. 14 statements I say every morning before, right after I wake up, before I read my Bible to get my mind right. I'm, I'm going to show you two of them. I need to remind myself. Here's my first one. I always say this when I wake up. Jesus is the first and most important person in my life. I live to love him. In parentheses, I go, I can do that. Because <laughs> there's a lot of weight on a pastor. I'm not complaining. But when I simplify my job to these two things, it's just easy. And be loved by him. He will never stop doing that. I say that. And then, and then the second statement I say, this is the second thing I say every morning. And I love my wife and will lay down my life to serve and protect her. Because that's what love is. All right, so husbands, you got to die. Well, I had dreams, kill them, if they don't protect and serve her. 
Well, I want to start this business. What does she think about it? Die. Die. All right. Everybody triggered? <laughs> Ladies, you triggered? Good. Fellas, you triggered? Good. Now that everybody's triggered, let me go back to verse 21 because I skipped it because I needed you to get triggered first so that I could heal your trigger. And this is what the Bible says in verse 21, be willing to obey each other. Each other. Each other. Why? The verse keeps going. Do this because you respect. In other words, even if I can't respect you right now, what keeps me submitted in this relationship is my respect for him. Yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy, but it's good biblical teaching because sometimes that person does things that will cause you to lose respect for them. Say things that cause you to lose respect for them, but what keeps you connected is not them anymore. It's your respect for Christ. Babe, would you come up here real quick? I know we're going over, but I actually don't know because the timer's broken, but we're definitely over. Uh, will you help me out? I want to I show you a picture of, 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 uh, of marriage really quickly. Marriage. Go ahead, Stephanie. Thank you. Marriage. I don't know if the camera can zoom in on my ankle. <laughs> Let's go. We can see it. Marriage is a three-legged race. It's a three-legged race. <laughs> a couple things about this race. First off, do you see any people on this? Do you see any other couples on this stage? Do you see any other couples on this stage? Okay, so why do you care what another relationship's doing? In this race, you're the only one that matters, you and your spouse. So forget about all the people you see on Instagram and all the people you see on Facebook. Just take care of you and her, you and him. Secondly, this is a race, but it's not a timed race. So if you're going to want to win the race of restoration in your marriage, you're going to have to discover the pace of restoration. If we're going to move, we got to go on time. So we're going to go on, on one. Okay, ready? One, two, one, two, one, two. Now here's the thing about the timing. The timing helps us. Some of us want to go faster and others want to go slower. We got to go at the pace that our spouse is at. You got to find the race of restoration. To win the race of restoration, you got to find the pace of restoration. Here's another thing about this. When you get married, you can never say that my actions only affect me. Well, I'm just hurting myself. I'm not hurting anyone else. If I go like this, it affects her. If I go like this, it affects her. You have to understand that every choice you make will forever now affect the person you decide to tie yourself to. Are you with me? All right, I got two more. If you want to win a three-legged race, you can't start with your outside foot. Because my outside foot will always lean that way. And her outside foot will always lean that way. If we do what we want to do, we're always going to go away from each other. But if we go with the third, you get married, you got to start leading with your third leg. And the third leg is not what I want to do. It's not what she wants to do. It's what Christ wants me to do. And so when we get in situations and we don't know what to do, guess what we do? We come together and we pray. God, help me. I don't want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what she wants to do. What do you want us to do? And then we start leading. Go ahead. <laughs> we start leading with the third leg. This will save you right here. And I, that means I'm coming last. I'm not getting what I want. She's not getting what she wants. We're finding out what God wants, and we pursue it that way. And this is the last one. I just need some help really quickly. Um, Pablo, would you help me? Ajudame. Come up here. Jolie, I'm going to ask you on stage too. Yeah, because you're just there. So come on up. 
And you, I always said, don't sit in the front row. Oh, that's his mother-in-law. Look at him waiting for her. Hey! Wisdom. Hold my hand. Or hold Liz's hand. I want them in. All right. All right. Begin to pull me. Holla me. Pull me. All right, stop. Not too long. All right. In marriage, there will always come things that will try and tear you apart. Financial pressure. Working three jobs. It's not even, I love you, but the money. Ugh. Sometimes, we're going to get real real. Infidelity. Okay, pull. And when those things pull, and everything in your relationship situation says it's time to give up, Look at what's keeping us together. And what the Lord has bound, let no man separate. What God has bound, there is no devil in hell that can separate it. What God has bound, there is no demon in hell that can separate it. There is no sickness. There is no poverty. There is no hurt. There is no pain. When Jesus is at the center, he's what keeps you together. So when you lose respect for your spouse, but he's the thing that's holding me together. When I get sick of you, he's the thing that's holding me together. When I can't pay the bills, he's the thing that's holding me together. When I get ill and I'm in the doctor's office, he's the thing that's holding me together. Jesus is the one that binds us. Even when the enemy tries to rip us apart, even when our finances try to rip us apart, he can't do it. He can't do it. Because what God has found, what God has found, let no man, let no man, let no man, let no man. I can't leave you because he's got me. I can't walk out on you because he's got me. I can't give up on this because he's got me. He's got me. Hold the hand of that person that you're married to. 
today. Wherever you are, just hold it. Squeeze it. Squeeze it. Now, now find your reason. Every head bowed, every eye closed, find your reason. Find your reason. Here's the reason that there was a love that never gave up. I want to pray for you right now. Hold the hand of your spouse. Father, I'm not going to give up on this because you never gave up on me. You loved me. You believed in me. No matter how far I ran, you still chased me. And no matter what we're going through, no matter the pain and the hurt, I believe the cost of replacement is greater than the cost of repair. And there's nothing too broken for you. There's nothing too far for you. I choose today to come last. I choose today to fall back. Take the lead right now. This is your love. Your love for me that restores me. Your love for me that never gives up on me. I'm not giving up on them. I'm not love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. 
If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.